Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome to Democracy Ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And I had a thought rummaging around in my head because I saw T.I. on stage. I think it was a revolt conference just destroying Candace Owens as she was trying to be like, you know, run like the making America great again thing. And he was like, well, when you talk about making it great again for black people, like what time are you hearkening back to that was so great for black people? And it made me think about if like, you know, some sort of magic spirit came and said, Hey, black person, black American, I have a time machine and you need to get in it. But you can choose what time in America you can go back to. <laughs> and it can't be like last week, <laughs> two years ago, 10 years ago. Like, we got to like, like, where you got you you to give us give us some decades that are off limits that we can't go back to because it's too recent. Like, so what are our choices? Like, you got to you got to go back to a time before you were born. Like, uh-huh. when would you want to go back to? You got to be in America, and you got to go back to a time before you were born. When the fuck would you want to go back to? <laughs> yeah. So this is tough. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because at every single point, every decade that I'm thinking of, you know, when I get excited about going back in time, it's like white people aren't in the country and I'm really going back for the fashion. You know, I'm either going back for the fashion or I'm going back for like the music. So like a part of me wants to say, yeah, I want to go back in time. I'd go back to the Harlem Renaissance. But like, I don't really think, you know, like that was like a couple of blocks in like I mean, New the York. The Harlem Renaissance would be amazing in terms of interacting with the culture, other, the artists. Yes. But then, you know, when the sun comes up, you're still dealing uh-huh. with segregation, mostly economic privation. There's very little um, that we can accomplish economically or professionally. So we have some significant life problems 
there. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Fashion again, uh, Alex, for 200. <laughs> but it's go. more than just, I would love to wear the clothes of X period. Yeah, like you got to like no... live in that period. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, when I was younger, a part of me had always felt like I wanted to know who I would have been at the height of the civil rights movement. Sure. And like, where, where would I be? You know, would I, would I have been in the streets? Would I have been doing essentially what I do now, which is just writing and yelling into the ether? Would, you know, what, would, like, where, where would I be? But then when I really think about that era and the danger and the risk of just existence, right? Because while we have, we can list, I mean, I don't know how many, how many Black people have become hashtags since the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement after the murder of Trayvon Martin. But when we think about that and you think about the signs that the NAACP used to hang out of windows, a man was lynched today. And I think about the danger that it is being black right now. Like that would be what? Exp- you know, 10 times, 20 times in the 1960s with, with absolute, like we have, I guess, the, the pretend of some type of recourse, right? Like we pretend that the courts will do something for us when we're killed. But in the 1960s, they were more obvious about the fact that, yeah, fuck I mean, you. I mean, surely so, there were George Floyds before there was Steve Jobs, right? But I mean, in that on. era, no, there are, there's no video. There's no credible witnesses. There's no witnesses that the courts will take seriously. And thus, the person dies. And we, they are lost to history. I mean, like, we almost never heard of George Floyd. Derek Chauvin right. almost got away with straight murder in 1965. That is absolute. I mean, like Emmett Till is not unusual in terms of that having happened. It was just that his mother was able to uh, create proof and create shock among black people about like, look what they did to us again. The 60s is interesting. And it, it, it's Slightly like cheating because I'm born in 1971. So it's like, okay, the earliest time I could go back to, I would be, mm-hmm. I, I, yes, the risk and the danger. I would be moved by the sense of mission, the, mm-hmm. the, the attack, the revolutionary attack on the power structure from King X, the Panthers. I would hope that I would be in the streets with the Panthers and you talk about the risk. Absolutely. But the sense of Mm -hmm. mission that we must like, now is the time there is momentum. We have to do this. Like, I would think that like I would be moved by that and would want to like be in the streets doing stuff with the Panthers because like we have nothing if we don't continue pushing this rock up the hill. And like, you know, we got some movement now things are happening you know, north, south, west, like, like, do what you can to, like, help push that rock up the mountain. But would you be, in all honesty, if we break down the people's involvement in moving civil rights forward, would you really be in the streets? Would you be a strategist? Would you be 
on, you know, a microphone? Would you be, you know, authoring somebody's black newspaper? Right. Like I, 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 I wonder in all honesty, you know, I'd like to think that I would be in the streets, but that's most likely not the case. Also adding on to the fact that I am a woman and I am queer and those things would be the case in the 1960s as well. All of which was, you know, damn near illegal. So there, there were, I know there were important women in the black Panther party movement. Um, I know that there were important queer people in the civil rights movement who were out. I'm sure there were people who were closeted and just, you know, maybe their friends knew, maybe they didn't know. Um, I mean, anywhere before the sixties starts to feel really scary and dangerous. (laughs) I'm what are you like talking? Really boot, scary? The, the like boot is literally on your neck. Fifties, forties. I feel like I could see like the light going darker, darker. Like thirties, twenties. Like, like it's segregation. Ooh. It's lynching. It's really scary. Like resistance movements are. I mean, like I wonder. I mean, like being part of uh, a slavery community would be horrible and nobody would wish that now if you thought about it strategically like can i take my memories and my knowledge and my spirit with me when you take me back to wherever you take me back to and i'm like okay for the for the team i'm going back to 1780 or whatever to be like okay y'all like let me help you we're getting out of here. Like we're going to be Nat Turner. We're going to be Harriet Tubman. Like we're going to, we're going to freaking. And like, I mean, can you imagine if you had a chance to free 20 or 200 people and you were like, I, I, I can see how this can be done. I can help you. Like that would be extraordinary. I mean, you would need to take back more than the knowledge of the present day. You would need to take back the fucking weaponry of the present day in order to do that. Because just think to yourself, right? As one person going back in time with the knowledge that you have now, you would either be seen as a crazy person, right? Or some type of prophet. And either way, you're getting killed. So it's, you know what I'm saying? Like we have, you can point to all points of religiosity and history of where people were soothsayers and you were deemed to be crazy. And you were either a woman in the 1600s burned at the stake. You were crucified. You were beat. So I'm just like, I don't know if I would want the knowledge, right? I, I think that if I'm going back, I just need to go back and be in that place. This is not like back to the future where I get to go back and like alter the I mean, present. I don't know. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love, I mean, like if you could go back to like 1780, 1790 and say, I'm Marcus Garvey. And I say, let's go back to Africa. And you've saved hundreds of millions of people from the pain of the future of white supremacy like that would be perhaps the most consequential thing you could do for black people and i don't i don't i don't agree that we should just leave because of you know like we are 
rooted here at this point, and we should fight to make this country better. But if you could jump to the 1700s and well, then I'm jumping. I'm jumping all the way to the 1600s. I'm going to the coast. I'm going to coastal Africa, and I'm going to fight with the kingdom. No, no but you got to sell here. their own fucking you, people. No, but you got to like, be here. You got to be that. here. You got to be. You get. You got to. You got to start in America in this game because if you can jump to other countries, then you can you can escape American white supremacy, and that becomes a little too easy, right? Just for this particular game experiment, I'm staying in the 60s. I, I I I think that you have, I don't know, at least in the 60s, you can look back and say that we have come so far and you have things that you're going to be looking forward to, not the assassinations that will come in the late 60s. But, you know, the Civil Rights Act gets passed and there is hope in that moment. And maybe but if I'm there, going back in time, I'm taking the-, the momentum of that to kind of continue to push things through. I don't know. You're there toward the relative end of that movement rather than somebody who jumps in earlier and helps galvanize, helps start the rock going up the hill. I mean, you know, even if you go back to the 60s, would you, like you as a woman and a queer woman as lesbian would not want to join the nation of Islam because you would be too marginalized. But would you want to join King's movement or the Panthers? Panthers. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I have, I have too much anger um, to be nonviolent. And I think that given that I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm being real. Like, you, you know, if, if, if you're, if we're being oppressed a, 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 a by a system, but then it, but then is said, you know, above all else, the second amendment is the, is the only amendment in the constitution that clearly this country cares about, then I'm going balls to the wall. Like I'm going AR 15. If that was <laughs> like over my shoulder, I mean, like that's what I'm po- doing between policing the police and feeding the children, the mm-hmm. Panthers, I mean, you know, maybe it's just the stories, but the Panthers seem to travel better historically. Like, like that's who I would want to be. And that's who I want to be down with. And that's the movement that I want to help to take nothing away from Dr. King's movement. But like, right. yeah, like, like nonviolence, like peaceful marching, mm-hmm. like <sighs> marching, I gotta tell you- marching into the legislature with rifles out standing 10 feet away while the police are doing their thing, like helping the community with like breakfast and like the 10 point program. And these, like that to me is like, yes, that's what I want to be a part of. Nonviolence. I have to tell you, I, you know, learning about it was never appealing to me because it didn't make sense to be nonviolent in the face of a country that was formed on violence and bloodshed. Like, I I believe that I honestly believe that white racists know no other mode of operation. And so there are times when you need to fight fire with fire. And I think that the erasure of the Black Panther Party from our education and our history books just goes to show you to me how effective they were before they were wiped out, because it was this sense of 
black power, this sense of we are more than we are more than what you see or what you're telling us that we are, that we can do for our own. If you want segregation, then leave us the fuck alone. Right. That we will care for and do for ourselves. And so to me, that that their whole action, their their mission was when I was reading about it and studying about it as a youth was so much more appealing. Um, I I, I understand philosophically, like spiritually, I am like, no, I'm with the Panthers. We're going to wreck some shit up. Intellectually, I do understand the importance and value of nonviolence. And I think perhaps for our generation, we're not fully putting it in the right context in terms of Dr. King was like, for who we are perceived to be, for what they are doing, for the message that and the imagery that we want to send to the country and the world, nonviolence puts them in a horrible position and gives us a moral power that their violent entreaties toward us rob them of. And when the country and the world sees us being attacked in this way and we're being nonviolent, uh, it, it just it 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 robs them of their power um, to be able to attack us. But you know, but we're we're we are slightly you are slightly taking the easy way out, going back as little amount of time as you can. One of the most inspiring moments of walking through the National Museum of African American History and Culture for me. Mm-hmm. Was coming to because it, it, it moved. You you've been you right. You, yep, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. multiple times. And you mm-hmm. move. Okay, it, it wasn't flex was not necessary. I've been multiple times as well. I, I do didn't. it all. I do it all the time. <laughs> name dropper. <laughs> you do it on whack AF all the time. Anyway, whatever. It, you move chronologically through our history, and coming to the. Uh, the early 1700s and, and the mid 1700s and seeing the resistance that was already happening from the beginning, they were like meet in the town square, basically like we have to talk about this. We're getting the fuck out of here. We're fighting back. This is some bullshit. Uh, it was very inspiring to me and did not, I did not realize the depth and the, the organization of the resistance at that time. And that's just the artifacts that we have, right? What were they mm-hmm. saying to each other? Like, fuck this. We're, now, some of them succeeded. Many of them did not. But they're, the spirit of like, fuck this was quite strong from the very beginning. And the chance, I mean, there's a self-sacrificial part to it, but the chance to be part of that, the chance to tell them some things and help them do some things that they're like, I mean, like, we're under gunned. We're outmanned. We're out. Like, we don't know what to do, but we have the spirit. I'm like, okay, I come from the future and I can help you figure out what to do. Like, we're going to Canada. We're getting on this boat and we're going, going back to Africa. We're going west where there's few of them. Like, we're grabbing guns and we're shooting until there's no bullets left in the gun. Like, whatever it is, like, you guys. As far back as we can go, you need more help than the people in the 1960s need. And like, you know, in this bizarre hypothetical experiment, would you not want to help the black people who need the most help? 
in put in that context of who needs the most help. Yes, but of course. And I think that what folks what what we fail to realize like remember often is that the only reason that we are currently here in the present is for the resistance of all of our ancestors Absolutely. that did survive, Absolutely. right? And there there is all, you know, I I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were, you know, we were talking about the, the moniker, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And they flipped it on their head. They flipped it around and said, no, our ancestors are our wildest dreams because without them and their resistance and their fight and their work to survive the impossible, we wouldn't be here. And so put in that context, yes, I would want to be a part of the resistance from the beginning, because I think that what whitewashed history has robbed us of is this feeling that black people were these docile slaves, right? right? That just went along for the get along and kept our heads down when no, there was resist. I mean, there, there was resistance from the slave ship of refusing to eat. Right. There was resistance from the slave ship from jump, from jumping the fuck over. Right. Like, Yeah. And resistance in 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 not consuming of food and saying, I would rather starve to death because if this if if my if my present moment is any indication of what is to come, then I'm then I'm good. I'm out. And that being a form of resistance. Right. That being a form of the ultimate letting letting go. Right. And letting God. And so I, I think that. When I was when I have been at the museum, what has stuck out for me are all of the people that without those artifacts, you know, were erased from our history and purposefully so to make us believe that, you know, we we were just here to be chattel. Right. And there there was no mindfulness. There was no strategy, because in order to have these uprisings, you need to have coordination and strategy, which is why they purposefully put us together in places where we didn't speak the same languages as the people that they were, you know, that they were grabbing from different parts um, of, of African nations. And so when you put it like that, I would go back. I mean, it's just, God, it's just the fear of it. It's the fear, you know, the other, I, I was thinking the other day about what it must've been like, right? Because black people created so many traditions during slavery, right? Like, songs and and ceremony of marriages of births right and and Ooh. the recognition that in those acts those were acts of liberation internal liberation that had nothing to do with external ex- ex- like oppression but what it must have been like to see your spouse being raped in a field and you could do nothing about it the, like i think trauma. i literally think about that the 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 trauma Oh my God. Of then like witnessing that all day and then going, I'm going to use home in quotations, right? Going to, going to the slave quarters, these shacks um, where they were and then meet, like, how do you console that? You can't. I got whipped within an inch of my life yesterday. My wife got raped last week. Our baby, we don't know where the hell she is. Uh, you know, like, I, I am in multiple kinds of trauma. I had to just watch my friend get his ass beat and wear some crazy fucking thing to punish him. And, like, I am in all kinds of trauma. And I have no idea 
how the trauma and the paralysis that they felt affected them in terms of, I, I can't even think about revolting because I am so paralyzed from all the trauma versus those who said, I have to either kill you or be killed because I can't do another day of this. I have no idea how many of those there were. This show is part. From the New Yorker staff writer, Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. For the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Um, you know, I think of whenever I see these really graphic slavery movies, I, I, tr- mm-hmm. I cannot imagine the depth of the trauma that they were all in all the time. And like, Fresh trauma arrives daily, and I'm still processing. Yeah, and I'm still processing yesterday. I mean, like, I I go through some historic, horrific shit every single day. And, like, you can't get used to that as a human being. Like, and you, but you know what's, you know what's so interesting? Like, as we're having this conversation, because what's coming up for me 
is how we have talked about trauma on Democracy-ish is specifically around, you know, last year and the and the and the uprisings and the trauma that we feel of ingesting videos, the video the on loop, right? Black pain, black death on loop. And they were literally experiencing that in real in front of them on loop on a daily basis. The strength that it takes to wake up each and every day, right? To still want to create some ceremony to jump a broom, to unite yourself with someone that can be sold at any moment in time, create family. It just, I I don't, I honestly, I really don't know. I I really don't know how they did it because there are some days where I'm just like, where I I tell you all the time, I'm like, I want to throw up my fucking hands and get the hell out of here. Right. Like, and I have a passport. Right. And like, and free will. I mean, you know, part of the, part of the undergirding notion of this conversation is that we are our ancestors' wildest dream. We, you and I, and most of the people listening have had life opportunities that our parents and perhaps our grandparents did not imagine possible, or maybe they hoped it was possible, but they didn't have them in their lives. And I'm super grateful for those those victories, that level of progress, not for one second do I think we are there and we have reached the mountaintop and there's not still tremendous work to be done to create actual liberation. But I I have to be grateful that we don't need to conduct the same battles that they did in the 60s, in the 50s, and God forbid the 1700s and the 1600s. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, I would hope that I could be, you know, like you talk about, like, who would you be in the 60s? Like you could if you could be there, you know, with Nikki Giovanni and Sonia Sanchez and you're like, you know, like, yeah, I'm creating that same sort of art that is creating that same sort of message that you guys are, that you legends and geniuses are, Um, you know, that that the dream of doing that would be amazing but i imagine that like i could not be a writer if i had not had access to the schooling that i have had access to which happened because of the principle of affirmative action the idea mm-hmm. that the school the good schools that i went to should have not all white classes um Right. I don't think there are specific affirmative action programs, but like the philosophy of like, we should have some black students here. So if I don't have that, then I don't know if I could become a writer. And I think I'd probably be, you know, hopefully in the street with, you know, Bobby Seale and Huey Newton and people like that. Like, I got the energy. I got the spirit. Like, let's go. But tell me, you know, when you say that we don't have to, we're not fighting the same battles of the fifties and the sixties and, you know, going back and so forth. But aren't we like we, I mean, like, and this is, this is where I get to a place where I feel at times and more and more lately hopeless because aren't we, they're right now trying to, they're right now, not trying successfully whitewashing history, 
whitewashing any conversation. We've talked about this last week on critical race theory, which is just the truth, right? Which is just history through the lens of non uh, white uh, and only male um, perspective. And curtailing um, voting rights. They're curtailing voting rights. Like we have not seen. And I, if I see another headline that says we haven't seen this type of curtailing of voting rights since the 1960s that are happening in 47 states, over 380 pieces of legislation that have been rolled out. You have the right for uh, uh, women to have an abortion um, being taken away. Trans kids are under. I'm just want, like when we say that we're not fighting the same battles, it's like, the same people, what makes me sick is that the same people who were responsible for the fuckery in the 60s and if it, are still in Congress. I, I want to give respect to the challenge, the steepness, the difficulty of what they faced in the 60s and the 50s to not say it's the same. And I understand the, the activists and the spirit that wants to say it's the same, and there are too many similarities. I think we can say we have it difficult now. We have many of the same playing fields that we're still fighting on now. Um, but I think that they had a much tougher situation that they were trying to overcome. We have a very tough situation now. I'm not taking anything away from the difficulty mm -hmm. of now. But I think that what they had then was extremely difficult. And, you know, but for, I mean, like King, Malcolm X and, and, and NOI and the Black Panthers, um, you know, to say nothing of also SNCC and what Milana Karenga was doing. Like if we didn't have like all these different groups pushing in their own way in the South, in the North, out West, we would not be here where we are. Right. And we're, I think that some of the, some of the activist output is an example of the difficulty of what's going on. Like they had like at least three major groups, you know, two or three other secondary groups, you know, three or four or five other like groups that were a little smaller, but still doing important work all over the country there. Um, back in the sixties and the fifties, like, you know, we are. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of build the change, a brand new podcast from Mac blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Totally, I, I want to say decentralized in terms of the yeah. protest that we have now. We do not wasn't have, that purposeful. We do not. That have was the, purposeful. We do not have the leadership that we had then. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter is pushing, and and I and I love them. Um, but if it was the '60s, there'd be three different sorts of Black Lives Matter, and maybe they'd be the moderate one, and there'd be people with guns to the to the left of them, you know, and people working in Congress to the right, you know. Like, I think that there's. I think that we see in the history of the 60s a response to the time that is fundamentally different than the response to now because the 60s was harder. Not saying that this time isn't very, very hard and very critical and we're at a critical point and we have people who are pushing now, but like there's a reason why there were so many people pushing so hard in the 60s. Well, let me ask you this, right? With this thought experiment, um, we talk about the past a lot. If you could go to the future, would you? And how far into the future would you go? Well, I would 20, abs- 30, I mean, I mean, 50? I'd absolutely go to the future. Um, I, I am optimistic by nature. Um, I, I don't even know how we're friends. <laughs> I, I mean, like, especially where there is active thought about how things are going to be. Like, I, I believe that black people will will slowly accumulate. And it's not going to be like just a straight line, but we will slowly accumulate more and more as time goes on. Um, I would absolutely go to the future. How far in the future? I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, like, y- you know, if you jumped... If I mean, I think about from the from the early seventies to now. If you jump fifty years in the future, you your mind would be completely blown. What the fuck? This world makes no sense to me. I mean, right? If you pluck somebody from the seventies, mm-hmm. they're like cell phones, Wi-Fi. You know, like I, I mean, like every the entire technological infrastructure of our lives would be like, what the fuck is this? This makes no sense. Well, funny enough, I'm reading a book right now that was written in 2000 and, or published in 2008, rather. And I was going through one of the chapters and in it, the the author is talking about, you know, and, and, and you can find this information on CD, MP3 player. Um, it was like iPod something. And it was only 2008. Like, it's not that long ago. And like half of the things, half of the te- half of the technologies that were listed are obsolete. So when you think about 50 years into the future, if we don't meet our demise in the next two to three, um, I I think to myself, I'm like, fuck, like, I have no idea what you're like, what that, what that access 
would look like given that in 2000, like the things that we thought were revolutionary in 2008, like the Razor cell phone are like- that was the shit. Completely, it was so dope. I had a pink one. I mean, then it was like the, completely gone. The the uh, the great author um, Yuval Harari has a book called uh, Homo Deus, where he talks about the future. It's basically like a history of the future. This is the way things are going to be in the future. And one of the things that jumps out at me is he's like, you know, look, it, it is a matter of time before the robots are basically running us and like mm-hmm. they are basically in charge. And he's like, in 200 years, 100%. In 50 years, eh. But like within 100 years, like they may probably be making most of the really important decisions. And like, yeah, if you leapt forward like 50, 75, 100 years, you may not recognize the world because here's robots that are making a lot of the important decisions. And I, one of the people I had on Toray Show talked about the importance of Bitcoin in the future is that robots will need to pay other robots for the goods and services that they're exchanging. I'm like, oh my God, my delivery drone will be out running around doing little errands for me, will run out of gas, will need to plug itself in to, you know, like Apple's charging station and send the other robot one half of a tenth of a Bitcoin to pay for two liters of gas or 10 milliliters of charge so that it can continue flying around. I'm like, wow. (laughs) Wow. I mean, it's just, I mean, there there is no... I can't think of a movie, I guess maybe just only Star Trek, but I can't think of a sci-fi futuristic movie that things go well, like that we don't foresee the fact that the invention of artificial intelligence won't continue to evolve on its own, right? Like, and that's, that is, that is the plot of every single major, I wrote from the Matrix to iRobot to AI to all of them has always been like, you create this thing because you think it's going to be a tool for humanity, recognizing that you've actually created the tool to destroy humanity because the intelligence will continue to evolve and they will look at us and recognize that we are in fact obsolete. And frankly, based on climate change, racial uprisings, and everything else probably shouldn't be trusted to make any fucking decisions moving forward. I just saw this TikTok last night that talked about how Facebook shut down two AIs that were talking to each other in their own language that the developers did not understand. Like, can you imagine like the AI start talking and like figuring shit out and like how to create more of themselves to where we're like fuck like they are replicating and like we didn't like we've replicated and the animal kingdom was like fuck the humans took over and now we're like fuck we cannot stop the machines from replicating fuck hopefully they'll recognize that the black ones should live (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to a very special episode of Democracy-ish. Tweet at us and let us know what (laughs) time period you would be, in American history, you'd Mm -hmm. be willing to go back to as a black person. I'm Torre. 
And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week if the robots continue to let us live. I would just like to catch a flight to Mars. I'll see you all on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>